You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 93, covering Brothers and Suddenly Human, with Amanda Smith. Hi friends, we're back. Hello everybody. And my wife is here, but she is eating pizza, so she'll speak up in a moment. Hi. There you go. Uh, so, because she's here and because we can't both fit in my closet, we are out in my living room. Wh- what that means to you, the listener, is we are directly in the flight path of SeaTac Airport, so you will hear awful plane noise, and I apologize in advance mm-hmm. for that. And the dogs. And also the dogs. And possibly a cameo by a rodent. <laughs> possibly. We have a mouse, but that that ongoing saga will uh, continue over in Sarcastic Voyage in our <laughs> epic mouse crossover <laughs> Sarcastic Mouse between Voyage. two worlds. Mouse Wars, 98. Yes. <laughs> 98, yes. It's happening back in time for that's, some reason. that's the current year. Yep. <laughs> All right, so this week, uh, something interesting happened. We thought there was going to be one good episode and one bad episode, and we were correct, but we got it backwards. Yeah, the so. episodes tricked us. Yeah, we were we were tricked. We were uh, we fell for their ruse. Poised by our own petard. <laughs> by our own petard? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, the first episode is called Brothers, and I will tell you about it thisly. Uh, so, a few days' liberty for the Enterprise crew is interrupted by the plot, this plot device not having come up for at least three weeks now. Apparently, some kid we've never met also killed some other kid we've never met, and... Oh, God! Now he has to go to the conference room and get a lecture from... Oh, good. It's Riker. Jesus! Poor kid nearly offed his brother with an ill-conceived practical joke, and I thought he would have to deal with Captain Picard being disappointed, <laughs> which would be much worse. Riker explains that murder is wrong, citing the ancient Federation precedent of no-kill eye. He then sends the kid away to live with his Uncle Data. <laughs> Except Data suddenly turns into some kind of robot. Well, huh. It's hard to explain how he starts acting weird, but he totally does. Quirky, subtle things like flooding the bridge with poison gas <laughs> and using Picard's voice to lock out the command functions of the Enterprise. He outsmarts Worf and Riker, which nobody really had any doubt he would, but then, defying all rationality, he also outsmarts O'Brien and manages to beam down to a mysterious planet where he'll be quite a bit of trouble for the dying boy in sick bay. Dun dun. Eh. <laughs> Data beams down to a half decent looking jungle area that Amanda thinks is horrible looking, but how many jungles has she been into anyway? And walks into a perfectly ordinary house filled with Tesla coils and test tubes and dinosaur skulls. Science! There he meets his creator, Dr. Noonien Soong, and finally justifies that ridiculous voice Matt and I have been doing since Farpoint. Soong tells Data all kinds of stuff in his hilarious old man voice. No, I'm not doing it now. I'm not your performing monkey. And then he homed him home with a homing beacon that would send him home. <laughs> to science! He then reveals the real reason for all this. He's made some kind of Pentium 2 chip that can simulate emotions. I mean, actually give Data real emotions that Troy can sense for no apparent reason. But then, who should appear but war? Cackling and scheming and dressed in what appears to be a burlap sack of some sort. Wait, no. He was wearing one. He was rescued by the Packleds, those dim-witted dudes who kidnapped Jordy back in season two. Actually, this episode is dripping with continuity as we catch up with how Lore escaped ever his last appearance, what with the stupid crystal snowflake has been up to, and even get a callback to Data attempting to whistle Pop Goes the Weasel from all the way back in the pilot. Except that when Soong is expressing his disappointment in Data for not becoming a cyberneticist like his pop, Data completely fails to mention the fully functioning sentient android he built only about a year ago. It never even comes up. What the crap, episode? Soong promises to install Data's emotion chip right away, except, oh, suddenly he's very sleepy and I guess he'll do it later. 
And naturally, Lord deactivates Data and pretends to be him so he can take the chip for himself. Then he kills his father and fucks off. Now it's the final act, a.k.a. the time for all the cliches to happen. Soong tells Data with his dying breath that he'll become human someday, which makes absolutely no sense. And isn't this guy supposed to be, you know, a scientist? The Enterprise manages to save that little boy. And Beverly takes out a giant clown hammer and pounds the point home into Data's head. Brothers, forgive each other, get it? Ugh, shut up, Dr. Mom. Seriously. Ugh, yeah. This should have been a great episode. Mm-hmm. You got, you got Brent Spiner playing three different guys. You got Data, you got the return of lore, like, in a season that doesn't suck. Yep. And just, uh, I mean, I actually, I like the idea of lore better than the execution he usually gets. Well, yeah, the problem is we get Data lore in season one, which mm. suffers from season one-itis. <laughs> Then we get this, which is his best appearance, and it's still not great. The problem is there's too much crap happening here. Yeah. Like, this would have, this episode would have been fine if we were just downstairs on the planet yep. with uh, Brent Spiner, Brent Spiner, and Brent Spiner. Right. Um, and then, I guess, a couple of shots back up onto the ship of those guys trying to solve uh, Data's puzzles. <clears throat> See, I love that Data locked them out of the ship, and, and it could have been a much more fleshed-out subplot of Geordi, mostly Geordi, but other guys, too, trying to outsmart Data and figure out how to get, you know, oh, yeah, get the, the, control the of the ship. The idea of having, of having Geordi try to figure out, like, figure his way around Data's traps is a great idea. Yeah, and not only from a technical angle, but also from a dramatic angle, because Data's his friend, and his friend betrayed him, mm. and how is he going to, you know, like, it's, it's neat. But instead, we spend all this time watching Beverly talk to this child, and yeah. then watching Troy talk to this other child, and yeah. then, uh, like, people just sort of hovering down to engineering, which must have driven Jordy nuts. Yeah, they moved the bridge down to engineering, so they're all hovering around the uh, the little uh, tabletop Miss Pac-Man game. Mm. Jordy's like, I'm just trying to get some shit done. Why why are you all here? I got the strawberry. Damn it, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Matt, let's let's talk about your good thing and your bad thing. Alright. Uh so I love watching Spiner play against himself. It's really well done. Yeah. It uh, it's a real like real tribute to Spiner's acting that he can play three separate characters, all of whom are dramatically different from each other. Oh yeah. All of whom are wearing pretty heavy makeup. Yep. And still make it like and make the scene look really well done. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> and um Lore, like, we go down sort of to my good thing. I'm gonna screw up your format. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> oh no. Um the I I really liked Lore in this. Like in the first in the first episode like in the first episode where we see him, he's got that really dumb tick and he's you do you don't really get a a good feel for the character, but in this, he's a he's he still twirls his mustache a little bit, and he's a bad guy, and he's kind of evil. But he's he's more of an actual character, mm. and I I thought that he had improved just tons in this. Well, and, and if I didn't know what happened later on, yeah. I would think, oh, the next time we see Laura's gonna be great. <laughs> Jokes on you. Yeah. Well, and the writers did a good job of setting up something cool. It's just then whoever picked it up and tried to pay it off did a really bad job <laughs> of it. Um, no, I. I Usually I'm not a huge fan of, you know, scenery chewing, but the way Spiner plays him is so sort of, I don't know. For some, he, it, 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 he it loves it. lore for some reason. Yeah, and he absolutely loves it. Yeah. Um, so, skipping back to Matt's bad thing. Mm. <laughs> um, I think this might be a pretty me. common bad thing for this episode. I could not care less about the plight of these children. Yeah, and did not care at all. Like, the boy in the plastic bubble and the boy who almost murdered his brother. <laughs> It seemed like it was just there so they could have the title Brothers, which is stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, it feels like 
like this is your B plot, but it's yep. it's so big that it takes up like a huge chunk of the episode. But it doesn't t- like it's almost like they don't give it enough time to actually give like make you care about any of the characters. Yeah, because you you have nothing invested in these characters. You don't really care if they live or die. And all it really is is a stupid reason for why you have to get away from the planet now. Mm-hmm. Because this kid is going to die in 24 hours if we don't get to Starbase 12 or whatever. And again, the danger is enough that they've lost control of the ship. Yeah. That is a big enough danger. You don't need to add anything on top of that. I agree. Yeah. But Oddly I, enough... I, like, every time we cut away from uh, to these stupid fucking kids, I'm just like, well, fucking Brent Spiner's talking to himself downstairs. <laughs> well, now, and this leads me to my good thing. The staging of the Data Lore Soong scenes is really impressive. I mean, I was originally going with the acting, but but Matt did that, and we tried to do different things. Mm. But just on a technical level, like the fact that there's one guy in this scene and three different characters, just the, the way it was directed, the way it was blocked, there's a lot of really good comedic rhythm happening. In, in, with himself? Yes. Yep. That's what I mean. Like, there's, there's some really rapid-fire dialogue that would have been a nightmare first to film three different times and then to edit. To make it work. It didn't seem awkward. Like, you didn't notice that obvious line between them. Yeah, the vertical line that's always separating people in split screen. Mm Because you'd usually have, you know, you'd have Laura up on the little balcony at the entrance and soon sort of fussing with his dinosaur puppets. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and they didn't have a lot of shots with both, like, with two characters in the frame. But it was edited so naturally you never really noticed that unless you were looking for it. And a lot of the time we sort of be not from Soon's point of view, but like from sort of just over his shoulder where he's talking yeah. to Data and Laura, so it makes sense. He's looking over here. Yeah, and, and they just use the, the back of the head of, of, a, of yeah. a stunt double or something. But I, my point is, um, only I think like two years before, uh, Back to the Future 2 had done, I think, the first major, like Michael J. Fox playing three characters in the same scene, mm. and the whole motion control computer camera and the whole, like, it was a big deal. And bringing this to TV must have been even more of a nightmare because they don't have the money, they don't have, you know, and making that work probably means you could only really do about 10 minutes of that without going nuts. Mm. And so that's probably why they had to cut to something else so much because that must have been a nightmare to, like, there's no way you could do a full hour of that. It's just te- technically impossible, I think. Well, if that's impossible, then they should have just not done it. Like they, I, they just I they did it no, they gave us, I No, I mean, the scenes were done well, but I think we all agree that was the best part of the episode and there wasn't enough of it. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the, like, we, when we go down to the next episode, um, that episode really focuses on two characters doing something with no other real problems. Well, it's right. just the two characters. And it would have been so much better to do that here. Well, it's, this was written by, uh, it's Rick Berman, right? Like one of the producers. And the producers always had this really solid idea that you can't just have one main story. You always have to have a a second story. Like, there always has to be a threat of something blowing up Mm. or someone dying. And I just think that's crap. Sometimes you can have a more quiet story with two characters. If it's strong enough, you don't need that extra element. Some of their best stuff was when they just (laughs) gave up on that idea of there always has to be some imminent danger of yeah. someone dying, someone you've never that, met before and will never see really again. That's I've as I'm going through Memory Alpha, is that it happens every time they do, like, a quiet episode. It's like, we gotta blow something up, too. Well, and I think that's Berman, and I think it's it was more Roddenberry before, but he's almost, we're almost to the point where he's dead now. But I think it was mostly the producers who say, no, 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 a TV show has to have some, you know, there have to be stakes. Well, the stakes can be personal and emotional. Yeah. They don't have to be literal, physical, someone's gonna die stakes. Mm. Yeah, the stakes are that Data is meeting his creator. And then his, his crazy brother, brother showed up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, one of my absolute favorite episodes of the series uh, coming up uh, in a couple of seasons is um, 
uh, Chain of Command Part 2, which is when Picard's being tortured by the Cardassian. Uh, that's the Four Lights episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just the two of them in the room. You know Picard's not going to die. There are no stakes other than, God, what's going to happen next? And it's just two guys in a room for an hour, and it's amazing. Yeah. And then you have uh, Picard goes home to his family, which, again, oh, yeah. there's nothing, nothing's blowing up there. No, and, and then we cut to Worf and his wacky parents. Like, there's nobody in danger in that whole episode. Yeah, but they had to, they had to fight hard to get that episode. They wanted to yeah. blow something up so badly in that episode. Uh, I'm so glad they didn't. Mm. Uh, okay, so my bad thing, um, well, the subplot with the kids is clumsy and awful. Like Matt says, we don't care. But beyond that, it's just such a forced way to make the whole brother's angle stick. Mm. And Data locking out the ship and endangering everyone would have been good enough B-story. We, we've said that already. But really, it just felt like, okay, we have a theme. We have a brother's theme. So let's, brothers, what other brother? Okay, nobody else on the ship is brothers. So let's invent these brothers. Ugh, just mm. two. And, and you could have called the show Brothers just having it being Data and Lore. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's and like I said in my summary, Beverly just clonking them over the head. At brothers, the end. Data, get it? Brothers forgive each other. They ah. forgive each other, brothers. Yeah, I I got it. They, they should have called the episode Data Lore soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Amanda. Now that you've thrown everything out of whack, why don't you tell us what your bad thing is? Um, I I don't like Beverly. Ever. Yeah. And I think Gates McFadden is by far the worst actor on the show. I think she's worse than Will Wheaton. She's, ah, she drives me nuts. And having Pulaski for just a little while and having them tear her away from us. <laughs> <laughs> but in this, you have your great vaudevillian, um, actor Brent Spiner downstairs doing all this, all this great stuff. And then you have Gates McFadden doing the vaudeville line of the, uh, oh, if it hurts, don't do it. And she's yeah. so bad at it. It's pretty terrible. You don't have your weakest actor doing your music hall shtick in an episode featuring your best vaudevillian actor. Mm. Don't put your good movie in our bad movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Her Groucho's not great either. Oh god, it's terrible. It wasn't even a, like, I didn't even think it was a Groucho. I thought it was just her trying, eh? Look at <laughs> Kid's like, I don't know who that is. Even if yeah. I wasn't Future Boy, I wouldn't know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> pretty terrible. Uh, they they mentioned briefly that the saucer could be separated, and they completely ignore that idea because mm. you know it's never going to happen again. Nope, Captain just... we're at Warp Nine. We can't separate the saucer. Shut up! <laughs> did you see Farpoint? We did it then. Okay, don't tell me my business. I love um, when Data starts malfunctioning. And, oh yeah, and just uh, it's th- creepy as mm. hell. He just he plays it like you realize how more human he normally acts because he's so stiff and just like. His face is just completely deadpan, and it's so creepy. Yeah, and I get the he feeling just that shuts off. It's very cool. I yeah. get the feeling that's what he's really like. Like this, all the rest of this is just him pretending. Yeah, he's like, trying to fit in, and he's trying to make human, like mimic human. Uh, but when he's acting but like himself, when he's by himself, and he's really comfortable, if he had people that he was really comfortable around, yeah. who he trusted, he, that's how he'd act. Mm-hmm. That's Probably, the real yes. data. But he thinks he got to become human, so he's always trying to be human. And that's that's sort of sad. Yeah, like he has to he has to fake it all the time. Yep. I mean, not that he'd know, but <laughs> well, right, exactly. I, I, um, I always liked the idea that like really early when he was just in Starfleet, he he like designed all these programs for himself so that like he would have like a random blinking like program, right? And, and like you know, yeah, like, like hand movement programs. Here's a stuff, facial just all this stuff to sort of replicate human behavior. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that that book that I've mentioned from time to time, uh, The Buried Age, mm. has this great scene where Data's like a file clerk, basically. He's been in Starfleet for 10 or 15 years, and the, the humans around him are terrified of him. Mm. 
And so they just keep him in a back room where he doesn't have to interact with them. And Picard sees him and he's impressed and he's like, this guy needs socialization. He needs to be around people. And that explains why he's been in Starfleet for so long and can't really master the basic human stuff because someone stuck him in a closet for a long time. Yep. And I like that. that. That was a nice... I don't always sad like for him. I don't always like when they go back and explain stuff, but this particular thing I quite liked. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about narrator. Narrator Wesley. <laughs> oh God. There's a... oh, uh, we we've talked about how much like Wesley's has grown on us. Oh yeah, I really don't don't mind him at all as far as the perspective of a junior officer. That's a good important mm-hmm. character to have, I think. But he spends this episode just, like, providing exposition anytime the plot slows down. <laughs> well, yeah, there's all the stuff happening in engineering where Data's taking over the ship and blah, blah, blah. And r- all the other characters are reacting in character and emotionally. And Wesley's only job is to explain what's happening next. But, Captain, the saucer separation means that we take the saucer section away from the rest of the ship. That's Damn what it. that is. Damn it, I know the risks. <laughs> Never tell me the odds. <laughs> I really like Data's uh, cascading force fields thing. Yeah, that was neat. His whole he, like his whole escape thing is really well done. Yeah, it is. Yeah, except that the security guys who are following him, uh, when they see the force fields, they look confused. Like, what's this thing? Yeah, a force which is field? like, apart from a phaser, that's probably the main tool of their job, like blocking off areas of the ship. They should know exactly what a force field is. It's, and Worf is just—he looks baffled by it. Like, what? What Whoa. is this thing? And they all take these cartoon pratfalls when they smack into this, like every time. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh no! Right on their ass. <laughs> and it makes me wonder if, because Worf's had a security, did he not show his security guys? Yeah, didn't they have training on, okay, this is what a force field is. This, this is how it works. This is what a shuttle is. Yeah. This is what a force field is. Look, we when have you... this magic invisible thing, okay? You can't go through it. What? Wait, it's, not a, it's not exactly invisible. It looks like VHS static suddenly appeared in front of the hull. So it's like, well, when you see that, don't touch it. Don't. It's going to hurt. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Huh. I'm looking forward to a career in security. (laughs) (laughs) All I have to do is get my ass thrown around. Like, we never see security, like, doing their job. They're like the Gotham police. Yep. You never see them doing their job effectively. They're always getting defeated, and they need someone better to swoop in and save the day for them. We don't get that until Odo, and Odo's just like, ugh, Starfleet is terrible. Yeah, I just do my job, and I'm good at it. You guys aren't very good at anything. Yeah. Um, like I said, there were a lot of good callbacks, mm-hmm. a lot of like referencing what happened to lore, whatever, referencing the far point. But again, why didn't they bring up Lal? That's a huge thing. Like they talk about how soon didn't quite get things right and whatever data should have compared notes and said, I built an Android and this went wrong. What do you, what do you think I did wrong? Yeah. How could I get it right next time? But, and, and they could have had a real conversation about that, about fatherhood and about godhood. Oh yeah. That would have been a really nice thematic thing. Mm. And they just completely ignore it. Also, what a cruel and uncaring god soon is. Yeah. <laughs> he just takes he takes Lore apart and puts him on a shelf when he doesn't work out. You made a life. He makes Lore and it's and it's wrong, so he takes him apart. Then he builds a duplicate Lore, but it's slightly better. And I, that just seems like sloppy. I don't know. Like, why don't you fix the one you have instead of making a whole new one from scratch? See, on the one hand, it seems sloppy, but on the other hand, it seems really in character for him to be. Well, 1.0 didn't work. I guess I'll move on yeah. to 1.2. Except, you know, then you got the beta version who's fucking B4, who they'll just uh, crowbar in mm. later. And then we find out in my favorite season, season seven, it's my least favorite season, that uh, his uh, his mother also. 
a fully functional android that we never mentioned and suddenly just pops up from out of nowhere. Not just a fully functional android, but a fully functional android who mimics humans perfectly. Yeah, who who can fool the transporters and I think yep. Troy and just everyone. And well, t- fooling thinking, Troy isn't really... I guess that's true. <laughs> like, the emotion chip when we see it, I just imagine if Troy was down there, she would just be blown away because she'd just feel all the emotions that this chip... Poten- like, like the potential yeah. emotions mm-hmm. in this ship. Oh, I feel pain and great joy and love. <laughs> I re- and we'll get to this when we get to descent in season six slash seven. But yeah, the fact that she can sense the emotions coming off of that ship makes absolutely no sense. I so hate apparently that. emotions are like a ray that can be shot out of things. Oh no, it's feeding on the rays. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> think. Stop shooting it. <laughs> I don't think she should be able to sense anything except mammalian emotions. Like if they meet lizard guys, I don't think she should even be able to. Uh, I agree. Sense mm-hmm. them. I absolutely agree. I also, I'm just not a fan of the emotion chip in general. I think at best you're simulating emotions, but you can't feel actual emotions if you're a robot. It's a program, yeah. Mm. Right. And I think it's a really flimsy plot device when it comes to the movies. But, well, we want to do something with different with Data now. Let's give him feelings. Why not? Now he's human. <laughs> now, now he's wacky and curses. Yeah. And also, that takes away what's interesting about data watching him develop yeah. now you just mm-hmm. hand him the answer which is why this this development like while this episode had a lot of problems this development was so tragic is data right there he had it he almost like okay this is what i've been waiting for oh no i can't have it no oh. i like could, that could i like Lore that bamboozled us again <laughs> and i'm not <laughs> the exact same trick <laughs> bamboozled yep he, he told them that he had to throw up and then stole their car <laughs> It really bungled Soon's, Soon's caper there. <laughs> Bamboozle, what's wrong with you? Speaking of the emotion chip, yeah, I love the idea that uh, uh, that uh, he uh, Soon installs it into into Lore, so now Lore has two emotions. Yep, <laughs> double rainbow. And yep. he keeps he keeps saying, you know, it wasn't built for you. It doesn't work right. And he's like, but I feel thing. It's awesome. Now I want to go live with the Borg in a magic castle. <laughs> A castle! That's where I'll live! <laughs> Bye! <laughs> Terrible. I, I I like Lore a lot. He doesn't yeah. get to do anything, but he's one of those characters that I, that's like, well, if you guys made a series of books about what he gets up to, I would read it. Yeah, but I think he was floating naked in space for two years. <laughs> right, but now he has like two years before uh, uh, Magic yeah, Castle, in which true. he can get up to all sorts of capers. The scene, this is true. The scene where he realizes that Soon is dying is awesome yes yeah because he's he's like fuck you i don't care i'm leaving i like laura i'm dying and then there's a sudden out of here yeah and then there's he just turns on a dime he's like what you can't die what you're not no you look fine what's wrong and it's just a nice like he's sort of a he looks over a thousand years old (laughs) yeah let's talk about that of course he's dying let's talk about that makeup a bit i The whole the whole reveal is Data gets to the planet and you see him and he's like, ooh, he looks just like Data. Except the makeup looks makes him look like an alien and he yeah, doesn't look anything like, he's like got Data. Head ridges. He doesn't yeah. look yeah. old. He looks like he's not human. Yeah. And so I was like, well, why isn't why doesn't Data have head ridges? Or he looks like this shows often ridiculous attempts yeah. at not human. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Now and and the thing is, uh, there's an episode coming up where Data has dreams. And you see a younger Soong, and he looks a lot like Data, and I think that's cool. And I yeah. definitely buy that this guy's arrogant and made a robot that looked like himself. It just, it doesn't work when you see him look almost nothing like that. But let's mm-hmm. talk about his arrogance a little bit. He builds Data because he wants a child that's basically him yeah. to live forever. 
But then he's thinking about it, and he's like, I'm going to die soon. So he spends his last three or four years making an emotion chip so that Data feels bad that he's dead. Yep. That's, the, that's basically the reason. It's, I want a child that will live forever and remember me, but also be sad that I'm gone. I yep. want eternal sadness. I want a memorial forever. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not an emotion chip. Maybe it's just a shame chip. Grief chip? Yes. <laughs> I also I also love that his like homing device that homes him home is like <laughs> okay I'm gonna flick this and then you drop everything yep no matter what you're doing what happens then I want you to steal the biggest ship you can get your hands on and come to me Something... maybe you're in the middle maybe you're a doctor maybe you're in the middle of a life saving procedure just drop the scalpel and be on your way yep why would I care about that I wanted you to be an inventor like me <laughs> but let's not talk about when he was no that that never happened. We're just sweeping that under the rug. Why didn't you ever build a robot? I did. <laughs> but we shan't talk about it. Nope. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's very interesting. Why didn't oh, you... no, lore! <laughs> Why didn't you tell me about B4 or my mother? Uh, oh, no, I'm dying. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> no. What I happened? Gotta, I gotta go take a nap now, I guess. I'm apparently. so tired. So, so you mean he didn't have an escape hatch from death? Ah. Uh, <laughs> that was like, okay, we thought you died in the colony because we very clearly said you did. And he's like, nope, I always have an escape plan. The Sarlacc found me indigestible. <laughs> Such a, he didn't get out of the cock duty car. Now I just love the idea of uh, Nunyan Soong with a jetpack flying out of the Sarlacc. <laughs> so long, suckers. Yeah, I just, Fuck I, you, Jabba. Oh, you mean Stalin Hitler pot? Yes. <laughs> Because Khan, Nooney, and Singh, and yep. Nooney and Singh. And they, they'll apparently make an entire Enterprise episode where they explain why <laughs> he's got a similar because name. of course they do. Yeah, because why not? <laughs> There's not just similar names. Yeah. Similar funny names, it's not that it's, a, it's not <laughs> it's not that it's a giant, you know, vast galaxy where mm. probably the same consonant and, and vowel sounds would come together every now and then. Nope. It's like, you know, two people can be named Adolf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh... Uh, Harpo Marx's given name was Adolf, and he he changed it, but, you know, initially... Which is probably a wise decision. Yeah, I agree. You can't be a, you can't be a comedian with a name like Adolf. Mm, Well, I suppose you could. You'd have to try really hard. I I still think he'd be better than Larry the Cable Guy. (laughs) You know what else would be better than Larry the Cable Guy? A hammer to the crotch. A piece of string. (laughs) Yes. All right. Any further business about this episode? Any additional points? Any... Um, no, let's do the good episode. Oh, dinosaurs! Hang on, I want to talk about that. Okay, oh. <laughs> let's talk about the dinosaurs. Well, let's talk about Noonien Soon's pile of science at his house. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, like I said that in my in my uh, summary, that, yeah, he's got Tesla coils, he's got, uh, he's, he's got test tubes. Dinosaur bones. And he's got all kinds of dinosaur bones and toy dinosaurs. He's got <laughs> tons of dinosaurs. That's what he really brought Data home to do, to play dolls. Dinosaurs! Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, now that I've mastered building, ro- building androids, I want to build an android T-Rex, because that would be awesome except you know well actually dinosaurs are birds and they should have feathers <laughs> why don't you go fuck yourself how about that <laughs> but then when we go back up to the go upstairs and see the dying <laughs> boys that we don't care about they're playing dinosaurs too like mm. is this just like is this episode in the pocket of big dinosaur why why are there so many dinosaurs in this episode i really wish that had been the name of the episode instead dinosaurs <laughs> Exclamation point. Yes. <laughs> With jazz hands. Yes. They're assumed. Exactly. With puppetry by the Jim Henson Corporation. <laughs> right. All right. Anything else? Uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> no. All right. My quote 
is <laughs> there's a there's a bit where Data's encrypting the uh, the computer in Picard's voice. And I don't, I don't know why. It makes me laugh every time I hear it. It's just him reading off a bunch of numbers in Patrick Stewart's voice, but it's hilarious to me, and here it is. Computer, establish a security code for access to all functions previously transferred to bridge. Enter code. One seven three four six seven three two one four seven six Charlie three two seven eight nine seven 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 six four three Tango seven three two Victor seven three one one seven eight 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 seven three two four seven six seven eight nine seven six four three seven six Lock. Now, Matt, you said that Picard would never say Charlie. No, I think he should have said Charles. Charles. I mean, <laughs> that is the phonetic, you know, like representation of the letter C. But yeah, I suppose you're right. He would mm. say Victor six twenty four five seven one Charles three one five four. Play us a song, won't you, Charles? <laughs> oh, I love it when someone else's voice comes out of the wrong guy. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, like uh, I want to do the rhyming guys' lines. <laughs> Flonk, this is all for you. Nobody else listening. Well, maybe Kim. Nobody else is going to get these references, but that's okay. All right. Uh, Amanda, you got stuck with what Matt keeps trying to call suddenly Susan. I'm having trouble thinking of it of any, as anything else. No, no, no. Of all the souls I've encountered in my travels, this episode is the most suddenly human. <laughs> so tell us about it, won't you? Okay, so the Enterprise is probably on its way to a much-delayed shore leave. Sphinx! Precisely. Because of all of the interrupted shore leaves are probably starting to cause nervous breakdowns among the crew. But, once again, they find a nebula or a subspace carrier wave or a distress beacon or something and go herring off after it. This time, they find a damaged Talarian ship. Now, the Talarians, like all right-thinking species, send their adolescents off in ships to Lord of the Flies it up and generally get them out of the way until they become interesting people. <laughs> Troy senses that glasses are a metaphor for intelligence, and the crew beams down to find a bunch of unconscious aliens and, da 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 a human boy, which is very important. A human? <laughs> All the Talarians are beamed to sickbay and are basically ignored, except for the very, 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 very important human child. Guys, humans are important. Uh -huh. They're the most important thing that there I is. Let go of my leg. <laughs> His name's Jono. Beverly tries her King of All Mothers routine on him, and Troy flutters around like so much useless psychic vampire moth. But he isn't having any of their patronizing shit, and uh, him and the other Talarians start howling like eunuch Klingons. But they stop when Picard comes in to yell at them. Jono immediately takes a shine to Picard, who at least isn't asking him if he wants a lolly, or telling him that she senses he's nervous to be in a strange place. It turns out that Jono is one of the only survivors from a Talarian attack on a human colony who was adopted by one of the Talarian captains. Beverly is worried that he might have been on the receiving end of the red-headed stepchild treatment from his alien father. I'm going to pause here for Al to call me a racist. <sighs> and everyone thinks that he needs to be reminded of how infinitely superior it is to be a human being rather than one of these lower alien races. Thanks, Gene. The Oprah knitting circle that is Troy and Beverly gang up on Picard <laughs> to force him to make Jono re-embrace his all-important humanity. We have a number of amazing scenes between Picard and Jono, where Picard desperately tries to hide his fear of children. Jono's adopted dad arrives and threatens to shoot spitballs at the Enterprise if they don't give him back his son. He just wants his kids back. All right, settle down, Tom J. <laughs> <laughs> He's not my real dad and Picard have a meeting where Picard senses that Daddy Dearest probably isn't abusing his son, but decides to keep trying to bring Jono back into his humanity anyway. Instead, Picard gives Jono flashbacks of the brutal murder of his mother and father. Yay! Thanks, kindly Enterprise crew. 
Jonah, who's feeling more and more torn between his people and his human genetics, sneaks into Picard's bedroom and stabs him right through his tiny jammies! <laughs> <laughs> After the awesome cliffhanger, Picard remains stabbed, but he's fine, and he realizes through the magic of perforation that he's being a xenophobe and that Jonah belongs with the people he identifies with and not the transcendent, gracious, evolved, and extremely modest humans. Also, sending him home to Mr. Dad gets him well out of stabbing distance. <laughs> what is it about Picard that Except just says... extremely long Tolarian knives. <laughs> what is it about Picard that says, please, stab me? It's the it's the, his revealing little jammies. I guess it is. He's or, just asking for it. Or as you keep calling them, Jim Jams. <laughs> his little Jim Jams. <laughs> I love Picard Jim Jams. See, that makes him sound like a little little child, whereas I think they're European. They're sophisticated. <laughs> they're short. Yes, but, you know, in that French way that's like, ooh la la. <laughs> Look ah, at my batch. Zooby, zooby, zoop. All right, so tell us your good thing. In order, like we're supposed to. Uh, you're not the boss of me. I am the boss of this show. I'm leaving. Bye, then. I got your notes here. I'm fine. And then, and then Picard thought this. I don't need you. Exactly. Well, that is... The, it's, 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 it's like she's chilling. sitting right here, yeah. It's chilling. So, my good thing is... The schadenfro and empathy of watching Picard deal with horrible children. I feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In fact, that was my good thing as well. But uh, you well, know. I got there first. Yeah, you did. <laughs> All right, your bad thing? My bad thing is the clumsy abuse thread. Yeah. Beverly makes it pretty clear that she thinks Jono is getting thrown down the stairs, and we're asked to pretty much forget about it after a brief conversation with the father. Like He's like, of course not, I don't... Uh, I don't, I don't beat my child, and Picard's like, oh, I guess you don't. And the thing is, I believe that he doesn't. I don't think no, he's, he's going a, back to an abusive... He's uh, a delicate human kid who's been adopted by a mm-hmm. warrior race. He got banged up a little, that's yeah. all. <laughs> so, Captain, when did you stop beating your child? <laughs> and I don't think he is beating his child. No. I wish it had just never been brought up. Like, yeah, because it, it felt like they were trying to deal with an important issue, but then they kind of lost their nerve and mm. stopped. Yeah, because if it had turned out... And honestly, they were. Try, I think they were trying to add another layer of why the kid shouldn't go back to yeah. the Talarians. But the... The reason of him needing to go back to his human family was enough. Like his poor, his poor, uh, his poor grandma. Oh yeah, you, Admiral Grandma. Yeah, who you call Admiral Grandma. Well, um, she's an admiral and she looks like a grandma. <laughs> she's all alone, and her kids were brutally murdered, and she just wants she just wants she just wants her kids. She just back. wants her kids back, and that's yeah. sad. But that's really all of the the tension you need. You don't need this like fake out child yeah, I, abuse. Thing. I agree. Uh, so my good thing was, well, it was the same as a man is really the awkwardness, the delicious awkwardness of Picard dealing with a kid. We've had, you know, three full years of very clearly seeing that he doesn't like kids. He's uncomfortable around kids. He's begrudgingly come to accept Wesley. He's okay with his nephew. But other than that, it's like, oh God, I, kids, no, no, no. And there's a great scene between him and, uh, Troy. Where And Troy, as usual, is a bit insufferable, a bit useless. But as soon as they give her a tiny nugget, a tiny oh, sliver so yeah. of she's comedy, when there's when there's levity in a scene, because he's like, uh, Counselor, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm a little awkward around children. And she just perfectly like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. That scene with her is great. They just, they waste Marina Sirtis on yeah. this show. Well, like, we're, when we're meant to take her seriously. Whatever, she's, I'm never going to yeah. like her. Beverly's a crappy character and she's a crappy actor. I think you're being a little harsh. I don't think she's that bad, but I do think she is the weakest of the main oh, guys. She was incredible in Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> 
Well, that is, that is a good point. And she can tap dance like nobody's business. Mm. Tap dancing does not a good actor make. That's true. But Marina Sirtis is a, like, she's a good actor. She's just got a crappy character. Yeah, but anytime they give her, they put her in a scene with a little bit of, you know, levity, a little, little humor, she nails it every time. She's funny at being a normal person and not this uptight counselor. I was kind of surprised that they, um, didn't shoot, like, <laughs> later on they end up in 10 forward. And I'm surprised that, Picard doesn't have a conversation with Guinan where she talks about her, I don't know, her rabbit that she found. You mean her, like, Trelaxian laser rabbit? Yeah, mm. the Trelaxian laser rabbit that she finds and she loves, but then she needs to send back to be with the other rabbits because that's what it is. Just, it's not a person. They do that with Guinan occasionally, but I think they don't want to overplay that. I think it becomes a bit of a cliche, and I think they do a good job of not doing that. It just felt like that's where we were. We were, we were yeah. in 10 forward. I figured we were headed there. Mm. Nope. No, nah, this is one of those ones that gets taped on Guinan's week off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, Whoopi was probably off filming Sister Act 4. <laughs> the Sister Actening. <laughs> All right. And my bad thing, well, yeah, Crusher's usual, what about the children? Crap. <sighs> it doesn't help that two weeks in a row, mm-hmm. that's been her deal, is like dealing with a sick child or an injured child and like... Won't somebody please think of the children? Yeah. And next week, while I don't remember liking the episode, I do think at least they put her in the center of some... Like science fiction mystery and not the usual mom crap, which is mm. nice. Ugh. And the thing is, in both of these episodes, she wasn't particularly good at it, even. Like, she didn't yeah. connect with the little boy. The little boy, in fact, she tells him he's going to die. Why would you tell a six-year-old he's going to die? Just tell mm. him he's sick and he'll be fine. Right. I hate children, and I know that's a bad idea. Like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you hate everybody. And I do. Jono doesn't respond to her at all. Nope. And they talk a little bit about the Tolarians, like, women being like a lesser a lesser class in yeah. their society. It's like, well, just like in Starfleet. <laughs> well, no, because there's the great scene where he sees Admiral Grandma, and then there's a great little conversation with Picard. We're like, wait a minute. What's her rank? Admiral. She outranks you? Yes. For oh. now. <laughs> huh. Interesting. <laughs> but maybe it's not that he doesn't respond to, uh, like, women. Maybe it's that he doesn't respond to people. Troy and Beverly? Yeah, mm. to wimps. And the, I and don't the, respond to wimps either. The total uh, useless nurses who try yeah. to re- restrain him and <sighs> completely fail. Because yep. he responds to Worf. Yep, that's true. Now, they have a nice conversation, and Matt mentioned uh, it would have been nicer to have them bond a little because they do have a bit in common. They have and a lot in common. Like, they do. they're both adopted by, uh, like, one of them, you know, is a warrior race guy who was adopted by humans. The other one's a human who was adopted by warrior races. There's probably something there. Yeah, absolutely. And they do have a good little scene together, but then that's it. And then Worf just goes away Mm -hmm. to bounce off some force fields or something. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's happening. What is this? I can't see what's stopping me, but something obviously is. I was on my way to see these, what are they, shuttles? They keep saying there's something down on the lower decks, but I've never seen it. (laughs) All right, Matt, what about you? Uh, okay, so I like this one a lot. I did not expect to like this one no, a lot. No, Picard has a, has a surrogate son. Does not sound like a good episode. No, it does well, not. It's, it starts off with like, oh, and then Picard bonds with a child. That yeah. sounds horrible. Yep. But like the relationship Picard between Picard and Jono builds really well and really naturally too. Yep. Like we start off with the we start off with these two guys who clearly do not have any interest in talking to each other. There's an nope. awesome scene. Where they're both just sitting together trying to have a conversation. Oh, and, and the body just language is just utterly perfect. awkward. And it's weird because the guest star, like the the kid that they, he's a guest star and he's a kid and he's really good. Yeah, he's him a, and and the guy plays who plays off his dad the card really well. Yeah. yeah. 
And like, holding your own in a scene with Patrick Stewart, most of the guest stars can't do that. Patrick no. Stewart has to do much of the heavy lifting in this time. <laughs> a lot of the main cast can't even do that. That's true. But I think not only was the kid good, but also the guy who played his dad. Like, there was some solid acting in this mm-hmm. episode. Uh, no, it's just, I just, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And th- that's a tough sell for me. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. When you read this on paper, it's like... a terrible idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they pull it off really well. And I think they do this again in... Season seven, my favorite season. Your beloved it's, season seven, yes. It's still not my favorite. Your precious season seven. Where they, <laughs> where they bring in Picard's long lost son. Ooh, and, and who cares? Because he was mm. tramping around town, and he. No, I don't remember what the stupid reason. I think is it's was. like his, like another nephew or something. No, secret it's, nephew. It's a Ferengi guy. It was Damon Bach from season one trying to. Ferengi lure him into camp. a trap. Or, I don't fucking I'll know. Sh- he took my son. I'll take his son. He yeah. doesn't have a son. Well, I'll create a song. I can work with this. Okay, Quark, you put on a Picard mask. And we'll put We're some hair have on a you. Caper. Yeah, don't bungle this. <laughs> then we'll go on a heist. Now, it's, and the thing is, we'll talk about this later too. When the inner light happens, when he goes off and lives that whole other life with a kid, I think he really softens to the whole kid thing. Mm-hmm. I think this Picard right now is really stiff and awkward, but I think when he, you know, when he goes through that experience, it changes him a bit. But, uh, okay, so what about your bad thing? Uh, my bad thing is just the horrible Talarian sadness bitch, which may be the most annoying sound in, in existence. Yeah, um, I think this would be a good time. Amanda, you actually had something related to that. So. Yeah, for my um, my quote of the episode is, uh, the first time we hear the sadness whine, mm-hmm. as Matt put it, so put that, we might as well put that in here. Okay. Thank you, me of the future, for putting that in there. Stop it. Stop it. Would you stop that noise? I'm going to flick the lights on and off if you don't stop. Everyone's going to miss out on nap time. (laughs) There won't be any raisins and juice after. (laughs) Raisins? Ugh. (laughs) They are a warrior snack. (laughs) At first, when they're beamed onto the ship, for the with the injured kids, I could not tell if they were injured or if it was just the terrible alien makeup of the week. Because yep. sometimes they just put a pile on people's heads, and that's you know, it's an alien. It, it's is an that old his alien. exposed brain? Yeah. No, that's his head ridges. Yeah, and and actually, the guy who plays Jono's uh, adopted father has the same sort of half-ass Klingon sort of. Mm-hmm. Not barely even trying. Like he puts some novelty dog vomit on his head or something. <laughs> And it's just, it's not great. But, I mean, again, good acting. Mm. So that's okay. But it appeared, with the sadness whine, it appeared that's how you defeat the Enterprise crew. They were baffled Nobody, by like, everyone's what like, do. what do we do? Oh, no. I don't, uh, what's happening? And I mean, shouldn't the king of all mothers know how to deal with misbehaving children? Mm. If that's her One only feature... One would absolutely think. I feel. I feel like uh, she probably didn't spend a whole lot of time disciplining Wesley just because he's such a wet blanket. <laughs> Yes, yeah, mummy. He, he was always like, you know, had his nose in a in a history or a science book. So yeah, nobody had to mm. ever tell him what to do. I I have a note here when they're when they're doing the howl thing is God damn it, three wolf moon. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fit that in naturally, so I just wanted to mention that that's what I called him, three wolf moon. Um, I like the whole xenophobia of the Torellians. Ter- uh, is it Tolarians? Tolarians. Yeah. I can't remember. There are Torellians at some point as well, which makes it even more confusing. 
And the Tellarites. And the Tellarites. Uh, yeah, the Tellarites, the pig people that the, formed the, the Federation. The Tell system yes. is probably just like a fucked up place. Yeah, it's like Rigel. There's yeah. like a million different guys there. Mm. Um, but no, the xenophobia is great because they he wears these gloves because he can't touch an alien, and I like that. I think that's yeah. very cool. I really like that, and actually I, I kind of like the costume. Weirdly, I like the costume design yeah. on mm. the um, the Tellarian outfits because they're, they're all covered up, and the reason they're all covered up is they don't want to touch the polluted yeah. rest of the world, which makes sense. But then um, Picard and Jono go to play some racquetball, mm-hmm. which actually I Kind of like that scene, too. Well, I like that they didn't invent a future sport. It's just racquetball. We know what racquetball is. Here yeah, we go. No, every time a sci-fi show tries to make up a fake sport, I just well, yeah, think they've... of trampoline ball and the <laughs> prisoner. I think of ambujitsu between <laughs> uh, Bill and Bill Sr. in season two. <laughs> oh, God. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, I'll never forget about that. <laughs> but during that scene, um, Joe, like, and this is another thing that's actually kind of good. The sound of the ball whacking against the wall makes sort of a lasery yeah. noise, and that makes him think of when his, uh, thinks about his murdered parents. Right. Gives him his Vietnam flashback. Right. Yeah. Um, but because he's wearing this little, this little outfit, the mm-hmm. outfit leaves quite a bit of his skin exposed, and I don't think this is just bad costume design i don't think he would have worn that because right. then he picard touches him picard's sort of trying not to touch his skin because he knows right. but he ends up touching his skin and that is against completely against his custom and that's i try not to pick too many nits but that's no, really that's a, bad that's a costume pretty big design one. it is because they make a real point at the end of there's this great little it's similar to the vulcan uh finger touch that uh Sarek did with his various earth wives <laughs> over the years all the earth women that he's been with who are easy apparently he's got earth fever <laughs> but no there's <laughs> his a, finger marks are all over the women of earth <laughs> it's too late he touched everything yeah <laughs> But um, they, they, it's a similar gesture that it's not creepy, like weird alien, like tentacly, like bizarre. It's just they touch heads. That's it. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice little subtle thing. And it makes sense if that's if t- yeah. skin touching is a big thing in your culture and yeah. you're always covered. It makes sense. That, that, right. I see how that could have happened. And mm-hmm. at the end, Jono touches Picard like that. And it's very sweet. But like yeah. you say, it's a little undermined by the fact that he actually touches him before. I wasn't paying that much attention to it, so it didn't really... I just, you know. I, I really liked that about the culture, and right. so it bugged me that they would spoil it with... I yeah, mean, it's I not agree. spoiled, it's still good. It's if just, you're not paying full attention yeah. to the holodeck scene, you don't really see it. Also, in that holodeck scene, we get a little more sexy Picard. Yeah, it's a bit of a form-fitting uniform, and you see just a how bit. muscly he is. <laughs> It's like, you this could is, see, uh, could this see is his uh, yeah. Troy and Crusher workout scene. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, uh, or Patrick his O'Brien Stewart. kayak scene. Right. Except Patrick Stewart, you know, in uh, for Captain's Holiday said he wanted more action and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I assume each season he had more ridiculous, okay, now I want people to see my muscles. <laughs> That's it, I'm walking. I'm, I'm quitting. That's it, deal breaker. And you were mentioning what it would have been like for him to walk back to his uh, cabin yep. in the in the little leotard. Right. And all just the ladies the, are like... Everyone on the crew just watching Ooh. him go by. Right. No, no, no. Only the ladies. There's no gay people in Star Trek. Yes, right, yes, right, right. There's no gay people in Star Trek. The, the ship's pumping a pretty woman throughout the, <laughs> throughout the halls. <laughs> See, I think he's strutting to stand alive, personally. Oh, yes. Also good. Stray cat strut? Yes. So there's a bit in uh, Ten Forward, as as Amanda mentioned, where Guinan is notoriously not there, um, where they're eating a, a, a oh Wesley's eating a banana split and he offers some to Jono and uh, he's like, well, how do I eat this? And he picks up the, the spoon and Data goes, it is a spoon. So okay, good, that's all settled now. <laughs> that Thanks. is not helpful. Like yeah. you remember the first time you saw chops, chopsticks and you didn't quite know how to work them? Yeah, if someone told me they were chopsticks, I really wouldn't add anything additional. But um. <laughs> 
there's a great bit where he just sort of stabs at it and it flies up in Wesley's face. And everyone starts, even Picard, just like laughing his ass off. Because he doesn't like Wesley. Yeah, exactly. But you so rarely see Picard open up and laugh at something like that. That's hilarious. Jonah, you're my favorite boy on the crew. (laughs) Now go over to the... Go over to the replicator and ask for a banana cream pie, and I'll show you something else. <laughs> Wesley, clean yourself off. This is going to happen a lot. No, but I, I, there's a there's a bit where Wesley looks at Riker laughing, looks at Picard laughing, realizes if I'm going to be a proper suck up, I better start laughing too, <laughs> even though I hate this and my dignity's completely gone now. Ha ha ha! This is great. And then they abandon Jonah with Wesley. They yeah. just, Riker and uh, Picard just walk away. Yep. Well, it was about half an hour into the episode, yeah. and Jonah was under 20, so he has to be introduced to the king of all children. Yeah, well, he's at the age of decision, man. <laughs> now retired. <laughs> That's right. It's great It's great that um, I, I, jo- he's talking to his uh, uh, adopted father, and he's, he's like, well, I have a decision to make. Well, you're at the age of decision, which is a thing I just made up, <laughs> so now you need to make a decision. What should I have for dinner? Well, you're at the age of dinner, so... So when he was... What would you like? So later that night, he was at the age of stabbing, right? Yes, I suppose so. <laughs> and so he chose to stab Picard. Uh, Matt correctly points out when he first goes into Picard's quarters and there's all this stuff around, all this great archaeological stuff and just things that Picard's into, he picks up the dagger and he's like, that's Chekhov's dagger. And originally I thought you meant Pavel Chekhov from the Mirror Mirror episode. <laughs> yep. No, you, you were being more clever and literary than that. And, uh, yep. You weren't looking Sometimes for that they'll surprise you. Yeah, not very often, though. No. <laughs> also, well, if I surprise you, then you expect, expect me to do things. Yeah. <laughs> and that in itself is a surprise. Mm-hmm. Also, I oh, another thing that usually bugs me about uh, the Enterprise is how spartan all of the quarters are. Like, we, do, we just see, like, we go into someone's room, and it's like they have a bed, and that's it. But th- they seem to put a little bit of effort into Picard's quarters. Oh, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that looks like archaeological stuff that he'd actually be into, like mm. weird statues and, like, a sextant. Yeah. And, like, all <laughs> and kinds I noticed of... a hermit clab- crab in a glass shell. <laughs> that uh, really was a hermit crab in a glass shell. It certainly was. Do you have any, any opinion of that? Um, well, it certainly appeared to be a hermit crab in a glass shell. Was okay. it maybe... Uh, in a blown glass shell? No, just a, just, just an hermit crab in a glass oh. shell. But no, there was there was a lot of really cool stuff around, and then those stupid shiny sheets that I wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't pointed them out. Ah, mm-hmm. now you'll never not see them. They use that shiny sort of it goes sort of purpley and sort of bl- uh, greeny fabric, yeah. and they use it for sheets. They use it for uh, Troy has an outfit of it once, and they use it for um, so Picard has some gym jams made out of it. <laughs> you do love his gym jams. <laughs> And then Jono makes uh, his little uh, hammock. His little hammock out of it. Yeah, his people sleep in hammocks. Matt pointed out that that was the fabric that Beverly. No, I, oh, I pointed, pointed that out. out. I think it's a bit of continuity <laughs> that uh, Beverly bought that bolt of fabric in Farpoint, and they're still making stuff out of it. it. Must she have got been a hell of a good deal on that yeah. bolt of fabric. Yep. And the the ironic thing is, it's not even. It doesn't even exist. It was manufactured. Isn't it made of apples. Yes, it was manufactured by the apple jellyfish. Maybe that's jellyfish. why there's so much of it. Is it just <laughs> it goes on forever? Yes. And Grappler Zorn's like, oh, I want my fabric back. Too. They took all my fabric. That's the favor that the jellyfish guy did for them. It was like, thank you for freeing me. Here, yeah. have endless fabric. Yes, eternal <laughs> fabric. You can make sheets out of it. You can make it. And they, he like gave them a crafting book that yeah. said all the stuff you can make out of it. <laughs> Uh oh, the things you can do with this fabric. Yep. Oh, I'm sure that Beverly is good at that, uh, making things with cloth because she's good at all domestic arts. You don't mm-hmm. think there's some kind of uh, Etsy hipster scarf girls on the Enterprise <laughs> that are knitting stuff well, out of we'll it? Well, we'll never know. Well, I suppose that's true. All right. Anything else? 
No. Anyone? No. Anyone? Bueller? No, Bueller. I think that that's all of the things. Surprisingly good. We all expected to not like this one, and we were all pleasantly that's surprised. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. yeah, it is. And it was pulled off really well. Um, surprisingly written by Jerry Ryan, who is one of the main brains behind Voyager. Jerry and- Taylor. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Jerry, Jerry Ryan, Ryan was seven and nine. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry, Jerry Taylor. You're right. Uh, who again wrote most of Voyager? Like her and Brandon Braga are like the big brains behind Voyager. And I don't care for the way Voyager was done, but this chick, you know, she she pulled off a good episode that should Brought not have been a good episode. On this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was again that thing where we just focused on one thing, yep. and there was a there was some the ship was never in danger. The, the t- the Nobody was a murder. The Talarians weren't going to do any damage. No, they were. Their ships had rockets and lasers. <laughs> yeah. which no, I if, mean, like there was a there was a possibility that they would go to war over this, but that's not a war that the Federation was going to have problems with. No, the Federation was going. They were only going to lose because they'd come up to like a listing ship and they'd be like, "Oh well, we'd better put down our shields and help these guys because even though they're our enemies, they are part of the Fed. Like they, we have to treat them all really well. Right. And that's the only time that they would have." Suffered any damages was by being yep. too nice. Absolutely. But yeah, there was a diplomatic incident problem, but it was not like nothing was. No, nobody, was no... nobody was you know about to blow up or die. Nobody was a murder. It was yep. nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we got for this week, uh, Amanda. Thank you for for walking into the next room and. <laughs> I didn't even have to walk into the next room this time because we're like in the living room where my computer is. is. That's so thank, true. Thank you for walking into the next room. This could not be more convenient. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was I was watching the uh, episodes in the bedroom and she's like, oh, well, I was already here looking in the direction of the TV. <laughs> uh, well, I always thank the guests. That's just the thing you do. I don't thank Matt because he's got to show up. I'm, yeah. I'm barely a guest. Well. Matt's the guest. This uh, is my true. house. I suppose that's a good point. <laughs> thank La- you for last thank time you, for you were coming on. I my... disappeared halfway through when you finished the episode without me. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, watch your back. Oh, <laughs> I'm way more convenient to record with. That's also, a good point. I have a lady voice. Also true. Which... I also have a lady voice. So fuck you. <laughs> oh great. Now now Beeb's not going to know what to do with himself, Matt. <laughs> so Matt, thank you for coming to our living room. Yes. Anytime. This was enjoyable. <laughs> You're like, no, not anytime. No, no, not, no. definitely not anytime. That, I'm not opening up that can of worms, that right. can of peanut brittle. <laughs> hey, I live here now. Oh. Perfectly ordinary peanut brittle. <laughs> uh, so next week, uh, <laughs> next week, I I don't know if the Beverly episode's any good, but the other one, oh God, I hate it. Certainly it certainly has a few things against it, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Although, 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 I believe, um, uh, yeah, uh, the episode called Legacy, which is terrible, but um, it is, uh, the original series ran, I think, 78 episodes, and this was like their 79th episode, which was a super big deal. Like, we made it more than, the, you know, we went past their... <laughs> yeah, but they didn't get good until almost... Yeah, like, I know. Until they'd been almost run as long I, as I the know, but I, I do... The, the whole point of it being called Legacy had more to do with that than what happens in the episode. And oh, then they make a cool. crappy episode. Because I, I remember they had, like, a big uh, celebration. Like, uh, we've been <laughs> around longer than them. fuck you classic Trek party. Yeah, exactly. Na, 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 na. Fuck they you, Shatner. They should have called it that. <laughs> the fuck you, Shatner affair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all for this week. Uh, Matt, if you don't say see you, folks, then Amanda's going to do it for you. Go ahead, ma- Amanda. I'm going to do it in a sexy voice. Please do. See you, folks.
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.